Good morning, church. Wow, it's bright up here. Woo! Can, I can't see you. Can, you. can you see me? Yeah. All right, if you can turn to Luke chapter 8. I'm not going to keep us long this morning. Apparently, I went on way too long last time, and for that, I do apologize. So I'm going to go quick. But Luke chapter 8, guys, thank you. You can turn the cameras back on. If you're just tuning in, welcome. Good morning. You just missed a really good story. All right, Luke chapter 8. We think you're amazing. <laughs> Luke chapter 8. It really is so fun being back here. Um, there's so many things I'd love to share. Uh, just, we're, just, we're just enjoying the grace of God right now. Uh, the churches in the States uh, send their love uh, to you all here. And uh, I'm just saying this to encourage you, okay? Um, every situation is different. Every, every geographical place is different. Um, but I will just say this, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? It says, if as one people speak in the same language, nothing will be too difficult for them. Church, when we're speaking the same language, nothing will be, and God commands a blessing. You know, I found it even recently um, as, a, as a leadership back at the church in St. Charles, um, there has, there has been a commanded blessing of the Holy Spirit directly because of unity. We've never had the unity that we have in the last probably six months. The church has doubled in size. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So many people are getting saved, not just from one generation, but every generation. We are packed to the nines. We've got no more room. We've got multiple services. We've got, um, it is just so, so exciting. And I just want to say this. God is up for moving. The question is, are we up for it? The question is, are we ready? We are all God's got. We're the best God's got. God is waiting for us. The cavalry aren't coming. It's us. It's the church. It's you and me. And I want to put some feet on that, but I want to just, um, just take us onto a, a little journey today in Luke chapter 8. This is the story you know very well of the storm. Now, this is the storm that Jesus rebukes. Everyone say rebukes. There's another storm where Jesus wasn't with them, and he goes up into the mountain to pray, to, to pray, and about the third watch of the night, he joins the disciples, and they think he was a ghost. That's not this story. This particular story is the story where Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to the other side. And when Jesus says we're going to the other side, guess what, church? We're going to go to the other side. And there are three things that happened here. And in this story, I believe these are all sequential. The first is a storm. The second is a satanic attack. And the third is sickness. Storm, satanic attack, sickness. If you write notes, three S's. Storm, satanic attack, sickness. When Jesus says, get into the boat and go to the other side, we should not think it's strange when the first thing that we encounter is a storm. Everyone say storm, except you're not allowed to. Storm. Thank you. All the kids say storm. Yeah, you can speak. So... Jesus, imagine, is in this boat. He's fast asleep. These are qualified fishermen. This is their job. This is their career. And they are completely freaked out. This isn't just a, oh my gosh, we're not used to this. They were, they were used to it. And the storm is raging. Can I suggest to you that whenever God tells us to do something, 
There's an enemy that always wants to create a storm in your life. And what storms do in our life is they cause us to be disorientated. When there's a storm and the boat throws you around, I believe in this whole pandemic, so many people have been disorientated. And with good cause. It's been painful. You and I have lost people that we love. I've lost friends, people close to me, dead, gone to heaven. People have lost jobs. People have lost their careers. They've lost their, they've lost their, they've lost so much. But I just want to point out to you that, that we shouldn't think it's strange when we see what the enemy tries to do. Because Paul says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. So number one, there's a storm. And watch this. In this storm, they were so freaked out, they said, Jesus, Master, don't you even care that we're going to die? Don't you even care? And they woke him up. Jesus wakes out of this place of rest and he speaks Storm, be still. Shalom, peace. See, when there's peace on the inside, we speak peace and it comes on the outside. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever is in here will come out of here. Internal realities will create, create external realities. If there's turmoil in here, we'll create turmoil out here. But if there's peace in here, we'll create peace out here. And Jesus speaks to the storm and he says, he rebukes it. He rebukes it. If he caused it, he wouldn't rebuke it. He rebukes the storm and says, be still. Why? Because he was living in a realm where there was no storm. And when we know, when we're living in a position of faith, and we're living in a place of conviction, and we're living in a place where we see not what is seen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And Paul calls those light and momentary troubles, and then he says this, and they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, when we have an eternal vision, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than a pandemic. It's bigger than fear. It's bigger than what might happen. My life is Christ and him crucified. What's the worst thing that we can happen? That we go from this age into the age to come? Come on. So the first thing is a storm. The disciples said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So the devil comes with a storm. Jesus comes and he calms it. Why does he calm it? Because there's calm on the inside and what's on the inside will be created on the outside. Number two, the second thing that happened is they get onto land. Jesus steps off the boat. I wish we had time to read all this together. I just encourage you to read it. I'm going to read it. Jesus stepped off the shore and he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes and lived in the house, but lived in tombs. When Jesus saw him, he cried out and fell at his feet, the demon-possessed man did, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Wait, what? Stop. The disciples just said, they didn't, who is this? 
Even the wind and the waves obey him. That was the storm. Second thing the enemy brings, satanic attack. As soon as he hits the ground, he's a hit by a demon-possessed man. Are you following me, church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, storm, number one. Number two, satanic attack. And the first thing out of the demon's mouth is, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Interesting, the disciples didn't know who he was, but the devil knows exactly who he is. And then he starts negotiating, please, if you, if you, please don't, don't cause these demons to be, to be to, 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 can we go into the pigs? At least let us stay in the territory. See, all of this is about taking territory. This whole, these three stories together, the storm, the satanic attack, and in a minute we'll see sickness is all about territory. It's all about taking ground. They're not just three separate events. Jesus says, we're going to the other side. What's on the other side? A demon. Oh my gosh, there's a demon. Yes. And the demon will only come out when we get there. And so if you read the rest of the story, it, was, it says, and the news about Jesus when he set the man free and came to his right mind went throughout the countryside. Watch this. No demon, no good news. No demon, no setting free. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to set the captives free. He's anointed me. He's anointed you. He's the, he's the head, we're the body. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon his body, the church, the ecclesia, because he's anointed us to set the captives free. But it's so dark. What? No, no, but, but that's why we're here on planet Earth. I know, but they might get on us. Ew. What? But, but that's, that's, oh, that's horrible. We should pray. Yeah, and do something. We can't just pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then Jesus says, go, I'm sending you. So Jesus used them to answer their own prayer. Hello. Okay. Too much? Dial it down? Okay. Thank you, kids. This is great. So they cast out the devil. Then he gets, but they push back into the boat and go to the other side. And when they get to the other side of the lake, not where they came from, the first thing that they encountered was Jesus was, was starting to get pushed and pushed to the point where he said, who just touched me? And you know the story, it was, with a, it, was a, it was from a woman who had an issue of blood, who'd had it for 12 years. But he, Jesus was just actually on the way to Jairus' house, whose daughter had been, who was 12 years old, 12 and 12. So when the girl was born, the woman got sick. I'll take me an hour to unpack that, but watch this. So he doesn't get to Jairus' house in time, as far as they're concerned, because he's talking and healing the woman that's been sick for 12 years. But then, after that, she, she gets healed, and then he gets to Jairus' house, and he says, get up, she's just asleep. So, Jesus, in the storm, he calms it. With the satanic attack, he casts it out. With the sickness, he cures it. Do you think that perhaps that's what we should be doing? Hello? Could it possibly be 
that sometimes we're a little bit more asleep. And we need to get awakey, wakey, wakey, O Zion, come clothe yourself with strength. Luke 21, a little bit, so keep going, Luke, if you're in your Bibles, so Luke chapter 8, I'm going to finish with this. And we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in this place, and we're going to ask him like, to fall with fire, and we're going to ask him to come with power to strengthen us and anoint us, that we'll leave here changed. Okay? Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 21, you can turn there if you want. Um, whew. Verse 9, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, when you hear of wars and revolutions... Anybody hearing about wars and revolutions? And when you hear people say nation will rise against nation, and then, sorry, then Jesus said nation will rise against nation. Isn't it good to know that this is actually Jesus said, or he said this is going to happen? Nation's rising against nation! I, I know, he already told us that. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famines. There will be pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. They'll even, one translation says, there'll be epidemics. Thank you so much, Jesus, for just telling us this was going to happen. And then he gives three words of instructions. So my three points today are straight out of the book, Luke chapter 21, okay? So if you don't like him, you can just take him up with Jesus. But this is the first thing that he says in Luke chapter 21 and verse 9. When you hear these things, do not be frightened. Number one, do not be frightened. But I am frightened. Well, stop it. But I, stop it. Well, I'm worried about, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. But I'm anxious. Stop being anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Cast all your cares upon me, for I care about you. Now, please hear me. You know me. My heart is, that takes, that process takes a lot longer for some people than others. Because there is triggers, there's all kinds of stuff that's happened in their life and they need to walk through this. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about those that can. Do not be frightened. And some of you are like, well, I am frightened. The word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. Stop being frightened. Okay. Number two, verse 28. And when these things begin to take place... Would you say that's beginning to take place? Just give me a wave if you can't say anything. Just, yeah, I, I think, can, can I get it? Whoop, whoop. Like, yes, these things are beginning to take place. There's wars and rumors of wars. Great pestilence. Nation is rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes and famines and pestilence in various places and fearful events. But there'll also be great signs from heaven. And when these things begin to take place, I want you to, number one, not be frightened. Number two, to stand up. That's what Jesus said. I want you to stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Yes, I want you to stand up. Number one, I want you to do not be frightened. Number two, I want you to stand up. Stand up on the inside. Well, this is what they're saying. Who's they? Well, that's what they say. They who? 
We have the word of God, which is his voice in print. Already telling us from 2,000 years before, this is going to happen. And this is what I want you to do, Ecclesia. Called out once the church across this world. To stand up. To stand up on the inside. To face our enemy. To face the enemy. Here's what practically, what does that mean? Just stand up in my living room like, and just do what? Stand up and say, hey, I'm not going to be frightened anymore. Hey, Satan, you shut your mouth. No fear here. Yes, we'll comply with the guidelines. Yes, we'll comply. We will obey the laws of the land. But I'm not scared of you. And you're, you're a liar. You know, if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Be careful what you read. Just read the news. Just read terrible things. I want to read about victory. Because my Bible says we win. I read the end of the book. We win. We win. We win. Talking to my dad the other day, he's still beating the same drum. You know, I love people with conviction. Even if I don't agree with them, I just appreciate their conviction. They're just kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. It's like, man, you've been beating that drum for a long time. I know, because I'm convinced of it. Isaiah 60 says this, nation will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising, that the church is going to rise. Isaiah 2 says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain and the world will come to Zion and say, Zion, which is the church, teach us your ways. All creation, Romans says, is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That's you and me. Okay. Too much? Just that last one. Just turn that one. Yeah. Okay. These things, when they're going to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. Do you remember the teaching? I'm just reviewing an old lesson. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that, that gates are people with authority. So when we lift up our heads, why would Jesus say that? Number three, number one, don't be, do, do not be frightened. Number two, stand up. Number three, church, lift up your head. I have three boys, and I hate shame. I believe shame was dealt with at the cross. For our shame, in the, in the divine exchange, we get a double portion. And ever since a little boy, and you parents know what I'm talking about, you lift up your child's head. Say, look at me. I love you. I forgive you. When you lift up the head, you're lifting up the authority. When the Bible says, don't be frightened, stand up and lift up your head. Jesus is saying, lift up your head. Recognize your authority. You're the head and not the tail. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. See, who God is to us is who God will be through us. If we believe that this is it, that we're just going to go down hanging on for dear life. And Jesus says, actually, you were the answer. You are my ambassadors. As if I was making my appeal through you, the church. A glorious, radiant church. That you actually have the answer. That's why you mustn't be frightened. That's why you must stand. And lift up your head. See, in the Old Testament, when 3,000 people touch God by touching the mountain, they all die. But in the the New Testament, when 3,000 people touch God, they got saved at Pentecost. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you got leprosy. In the New Testament, if you touched leper, the leper got healed. Why? Because of the transfer, the divine exchange that happened at Calvary. 
Many of you remember Zephyr and, and Brenda D'Souza in Jaipur, which is a church in India which is connected um, to this house for many, many years. They both went on to be with the Lord as a direct result of COVID in these last few months. But many years ago, being there in Jaipur at that church, I was there when I was a jewelry trader and I said to Zephyr on a Sunday, he'd asked me to speak and he, I asked him, what is the greatest challenge that you face? He said, the greatest challenge, Dan, that we face is for the leper to drink the communion cup with the rich person. And I remember taking that like, well, if I believe in the, in the power of the cup, then it will not harm me. And I took that communion cup with a leper who had no hands and stumps for his nose and ears. And he held it with his stumps. And we shared the communion cup. And the last time I checked, I still don't have leprosy. There's power in the blood. And church, I'm not saying anything you don't already know. I just wanted to provoke you today. I wanted to provoke us. I want to provoke us. I want to provoke us. But the Bible says in Hebrews, consider how you may stir one another on. Spur. To jolt one another. To encourage one another. It's the same passage that, by the way, that says, don't give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. Can I encourage us? Let's, we don't have to go to church. The truth is that we've never been to church in our life. We don't go to church. We are the church. The church just gathers. You don't have to gather, but I want to just pose this to you. you. In this country, we get to. We get to gather? That's amazing. We get to worship in the next two weeks. Get to worship together without masks, singing out loud. Get to hug one another, eat together, fellowship. Can I encourage you to be together? It's one of the ploys of the enemy to cause to divide and conquer, to cause to scatter the sheep. Encourage you in the next few weeks as things open up. Come and let there be a roar in this place of God's people taking their stand together. If as one people speaking the same language, nothing will be impossible for them. 